I think it was that family expert Mary Poppins who said, well begun is half done. Well begun is half done. Uh, sorry, Mary Poppins. I mean, I get what she's saying, okay? Well begun is half done. It's a classic English, uh, you know, proverb. And it just means, you know, a good start is like half the battle. Like you get a good start on something and then that makes finishing it easier. However, I don't have magic birds going around cleaning up my messes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I remember that scene from Mary Poppins. I mean, that's, that's what ends up happening in there. I think we have to think about the fact that follow through is, is maybe the greater challenge for us. Yes, well begun is half done. It's good to get a good start on something. But man, follow through and finishing the job, that's really the difficult part. And every day we're tempted to give up or to give in. When things get hard, right, we'll be tempted to give up or to give in. The Christian life is the life of perseverance in the faith. So like when you first become a follower of Jesus, we call that regeneration. When you come to spiritual life, that's like one moment and awesome. Praise God for that. It is a miracle, literally a miracle of God that that happens when people repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus. But that is day one. And now what happens? Now we have this whole life that God calls us to of persevering or walking in the faith. And the fact is we'll be tempted to give up or to give in. Specifically this morning in 1 John, we need to consider some of the different headwinds that we face or challenges that we face in persevering. And especially what's on John's mind in chapter 2 is the headwinds of doctrinal deception, right? False teaching, corruption of the truth about who God is and what he's done for us. So the fact is, as we try to walk as Christians, we're going to face these headwinds. It's going to make it hard to persevere. And so as we face those headwinds, especially uh, different kinds of teaching and false teaching, we have to ask, what does it look like for me to persevere in the faith in spite of these doctrinal headwinds or these challenges to the gospel itself? Now, we're going to face those challenges from others outside of the church. We might face them from inside the church at large. We might face them from inside our church. We also might face those challenges even from ourselves when we doubt or struggle. You'll be tempted to give up. You'll be tempted to give in, to make concessions. Maybe this morning you're struggling to believe God in a particular area of your life. Maybe you're doubting a particular aspect of God's character, or you're just struggling to see, you know, how is God glorified in this? Or God, how can you work through that? Maybe the serpent is whispering in your ear this morning about how good that fruit looks. You know, we're tempted to give up. We're tempted to give in. So what do we need to do? Well, we need to press on. We need to continue. We need to persist. We need to abide in Christ. We need to remain in the battle. Frankly, we need to remember, don't give up and don't give in. You're going to face the challenges. They're coming. Even doctrinally speaking, don't give up and don't give in. Now, how does this work? Let's unpack these just brief verses here in 1 John chapter 2. Again, we're looking at verses 24 to 27. You know, in, in last week's section, Pastor Andy explained very well about how, you know, the truth basically exposes the lie. And there will be many who will leave the church community because they don't believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah, and they don't believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and so that will expose the reality of what was going on. Now, that was happening in the early church that, that the Apostle John was writing to in the first century, and so we know a little bit about the specific kind of false teaching they were facing, but as we look at these verses, we'll have to think about what are the specific areas that we face, you know, corruptions and distortions of the gospel. But notice verse 24, what John writes there. He says this, what you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the son and in the father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us eternal life. If we track back up to the top of verse 24 there, John says, what you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. Let what you've heard from the beginning remain in you. It's actually a command. The idea is you have a say in this, that you have the opportunity to choose to let what you have heard from the beginning continue on in you. So that you are, you are going to cling to that original delivery of the gospel message. And by original delivery, John is talking about what he and the other apostles received from Jesus. So we have that captured for us by God's grace in the Bible. So we have this, this, uh, you know, this inscripturation of the message, this record of the message for us. And he's saying what you've heard from the beginning, namely what we heard from Jesus and we gave to you, that's chapter one, right? So what you have heard from the beginning, let that remain in you. Let that be in you. Don't give it up. Don't modify it. Don't edit it. And certainly don't let it go. Don't give up and don't give in. You cling to that truth of the gospel. Then he goes on to say that this is one of the defining marks of the genuine Christian. He says, if what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the son and in the father. So what's at stake is your fellowship with the father and the son. And he says, this is a mark. It's not the only mark, but it is a mark of genuine faith. Fidelity to the gospel. Clinging to that gospel, he says, when, when you, you let that word remain in you, that's a sign that you are in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Watch verse 25, though, because he links that to the promise of eternal life. He says, and this is the promise, like part of the message, that he himself made to us or that he promised to us. What's the promise? Eternal life. So John says, listen, I know at this point you might, your eyes might be kind of glazing over. You're going, oh, here comes the theology guy again, you know, trying to get me to memorize Grudem, okay, for the 50th time, right? John's saying, no, listen, don't go there. Don't despair because this is actually spiritually, right, crucial that you understand that you got to cling to the message that Jesus delivered through the apostles, you got to cling to that and let that remain in you. And if you have adjusted the message or let it go, then you have no claim to being in fellowship with the Son and the Father. Remember last week, they went out from us because they weren't of us. They stopped believing that Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So they, le they left the church community. And John says, that's inevitably going to happen. But for you, don't let that happen. Don't give up. And don't give in. Cling to that message. Hold on to it. Right? Again, that's a key mark of the fact that you are indeed a believer clinging to that same original message. That's why, incidentally, we make such a big deal about singing the truth from God's word, about teaching the truth from God's word. You know, we're not here to hear Pastor Ryan's seven tips to a healthy life. 
you don't want those for me, okay? I drink an unfortunate amount of soda. You don't want those for me. Like, you don't want seven, seven tips to a healthy life for me. You don't need that. I don't have that much to offer you, frankly, in that. But what we gather around is we gather around the word of God. This is what we need. This is what we cling to. And we make a big deal about it because, frankly, this is what is true. And so that's what we're saying. We're going to cling to this together. And so, why, well, what's the payoff? Well, the payoff is eternal life. Not that we earn it by clinging to it, but that, and this is where you got to catch it here, this message that Jesus delivers to us through the apostles is the only way to receive eternal life. When we say no to that message, then we're saying no to the benefit. And so John says, this is what Jesus has promised us. He promised eternal life, which is a, both a duration and a, and a quality, right? Like, it's not just that it's long. It's that it's eternal and that it is life eternal, not eternal judgment or condemnation or separation from God, right? It's eternal life. And he's like, this is what you want. And the headwind is going to say, yeah, but you could get that other ways. You could come this way about it, that way about it. In, in particular, Again, the doctrinal challenge that the first century church was facing that John's writing to, uh, the message was, listen, yeah, um, Jesus is cool and all, but physical stuff is actually sub, sub, uh, subordinate to or not as important and sometimes evil, but spiritual stuff is pure. And so we could say that Jesus is the Messiah, like spiritually, but not, he didn't take on flesh. It's not like he actually had flesh. Like the flesh part of Jesus was bad, but the spirit part of Jesus was good. Now that's called Gnosticism. It's one part of this Gnostic heresy that John and those believers were facing. And John says, are you kidding me? You can't, you cannot let go of this fundamental truth of Christianity that Jesus, the eternal second person of the Trinity, took on flesh as the Messiah and walked around with us. You cannot, you cannot jettison that or abandon that and just say, you know what, just be pro-God, be nice to people, that's enough. That's, that's not going to work. John says the promise that Jesus gave us is that his truth, his gospel, his word results in eternal life. So we want to cling to that truth. Listen, fidelity to the gospel is a key mark of genuine faith. Fidelity to the gospel is a key mark of genuine faith. In this, we need to recognize that, that God's word, right, the, the record of this gospel message is a gift to us. It is a treasure. It is a field full of treasures for all of us, right, where we can find abundant provision in the communication of who God is and who we are. And so here we have in the Bible, we have this gift. And so here the command is, let that message remain in you. I just want to ask you this morning, how do we do that? How do we let the Bible, how do we let the gospel, what we've heard from the beginning, how do we let that remain in us? At the bare minimum, we got to read it, right? At the bare minimum, we've, we've got to read it. We've just got to get comfortable with and familiar with the word of God because there are treasures there for you. And you're not going to know what they are unless we go there, right? Unless we take the time to pursue it. Don't just read it. Memorize it. Tuck it away. T take time to say, you know what? This verse is so important. I need to own this thing, okay? And you know what you do? You copy it a million times. You listen to it in the car when you're driving at work. You do it as a family over dinner. Review a verse. Whatever it is, memorize the word of God. Let it dwell in you. Meditate on it. Mull it over, right? Chew on it. 
Talk about it. Think about it. Some parts of the Bible, they're like, wow, that's really significant. You know, this is really interesting. Tonight, we're going to talk about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Short sentence, significant, right, application to just chew on that one short sentence. Wow, the Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean? Read it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Mull over it. Talk to others about it. Hey, did you, did you read First John this week? Did you check it out? See what we were talking about on Sunday? Yeah, what did you think about that? What have you learned from that? What did you, what did you learn in Bible study last week? Or what have you been reading in, lately that's been significant to you? Are there any, any things that are confusing to you? You know, what's, what are we not understanding? I mean, listen, you know, in Psalm 119, verse 97, David says, How I love your instruction. How I love your law. How I love your word. It is my meditation day and night. It's my meditation. I, I, I just, I can't, I can't let it go. I'm going to cling to it and let it remain in me. The pressure will come and the pressure is going to be, you know what? You can do better than that. Or it needs editing or adjusting. But don't give up and don't give in. The threats to letting God's word, the message of the gospel remain in us are time. We don't put the time into it. And we don't, we don't have the energy to give to it, or we give the energy to something else, right? We don't have the passion for it. But I just want to encourage you that, listen, there are, there are abundant blessings for us, and eternal life is gifted to us through God's word. So don't neglect that. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, you have, you know, a blessed provision for you in your life and you just leave it in the garage and it just gets all dusty and, you know, moldy and messed up and you never use the thing. And all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I forgot I had that. It's like, sometimes that's how we are with the Bible. We just, it's too dusty. We're just not using it enough. Think of it as an apple tree. Spurgeon, my friend Spurgeon said it this way. He said, you know, think of the Bible as an apple tree ripe with fruit. He says, brothers and sisters, this is literally what he says, brothers and sisters, shake the tree. Get under that tree. He says, shake the tree. You know what he means by that? Read it. Think about it. Get after it. Study it. I want to challenge you this morning. You have an opportunity to, an opportunity to grow spiritually by growing in your knowledge and knowledge of God and faith in God by growing in your knowledge of his word. So maybe you could take specific steps to say, you know what? I'm going to let it remain in me. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it, Right? And I need to grow in that knowledge. Listen, some of you need to get into a Bible study. You're not doing it. You're doing a million other things. And I'm not saying those things aren't important, but I'm saying don't let God's word be the last thing that you, that you plan for in your schedule. Get into a Bible study. Get into the care group. Get into a, a discipleship relationship where you're reading the Bible with somebody who can hold you accountable. And it's not about performance. It's not about checking all the boxes. It's about growing in our knowledge of who God is and who we are. Don't be afraid to grow deeper. Brothers and sisters, shake that tree. It's good fruit. It's there for us. And again, it's the means of the blessing of eternal life. Calvin said it this way. He said, it is real happiness when God dwells in us. Like we're all chasing that. Everybody wants that satisfaction. It's just, this is how we actually get it. And John says, you know, it's, it's weird, but you're going to face this situation in your life where you're going to think maybe it's just not worth it. Or maybe I should change it. Or maybe they are right. Maybe Jesus really isn't the Messiah. Maybe this is just a social construct that's the result of 2,000 years of history and historical development and social forces. And it's, there's no truth in it. And maybe I should just find something else or add to it or whatever. But he says, but this is the promise that you'll have eternal life through this message. Not another message. This message. And he says, crucially again, 
If we abandon the word, then that's a mark that we don't have fellowship with God. Now, let's ask this question very clearly this morning. John, is John saying you can lose your salvation? No, that is not what he's saying. We know from Scripture that, that the work that God does in regenerating a sinner is irrevocable. That no one can change that work. It's a miracle that God does to us. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those whom the Father has given to the Son, no one can take out of his hand. Okay, so this is true. So what is John saying? He's saying this. In God's design for our lives as Christians, part of the design is that we are called to cling to the truth of the gospel, and he is pleased to use that. So he can make commands and say things like, uh, put off your sinful flesh. And he can say, uh, you know, don't speak in those ways and, and don't love that idol. And he can say, cling to the truth, let it remain in you. And that is actually a means of God's grace in continuing our walk with Christ. The question is, if we let go of that truth, what does that say about us? And John's point is this. People cannot say Jesus is not the Messiah that the gospel is not true, and still be in fellowship with God. It's, that's clear. So he's saying, if that's you, you need to know that you're not in fellowship with God. And he would say, get in fellowship with God. Repent and believe. This is the truth. God has ordained that we resolve as believers to remain in him. And should we falter and struggle, right? If we are his, he will not let us go. He will provide for us. In a million different ways, right? Through the church, he provides protection for us. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that we need to resolve and say, I will remain in that truth. I I will allow that truth to remain in me. I am going to wrap my arms around it, and I am not going to let it go. And just remember last week, not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. So there's a warning here, John says. He says, remain, right? Hold on, hold on to that, that truth. Let it remain in you. Now, the specific threat, though, comes in verse 26. Notice in the next verse how he explains the issue. Why why are you bringing this up again, John? Verse 26. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Short verse, okay? Brutal reality. We talked about those headwinds that we're facing. John says, there are people who genuinely think they're doing a service to the world by attacking this gospel. And it comes in a million different ways. There was one particular way that John and the early church was facing it in those circumstances, right? We talked about that a little bit. Jesus is not really the Messiah. He didn't actually take on flesh, whatever. They're rejecting the the teaching of the apostles as given to them by Jesus. They're saying, nope, that's not true. You need to change that. You need to edit it. You need to update it. There were other attacks. There were people who were very committed to the Old Testament, uh, you know, Jewish followers of God. And they would say, you know what? Jesus is not the Messiah. If you want to be right with God, you got to keep the law and stay in the community of Israel. That's what you got to do. And that was going on in the first century. So there were, there were people who were intentionally or maybe unintentionally, I think the focus here is on the intentional though, they're trying to deceive you. What does that mean? It means they're trying to influence you away from the apostolic message. If we can just visualize it here, right? Trying to influence you away from this and say, you know what? No, no, no. That's not what you need. You need to go over here and add this to it or take that away from it. And you need to head in a different direction. People are trying to deceive you. Brothers and sisters, you need to know there is an active movement right now in our culture to say a lot of what's in here is not good for you. A lot of what's in here is, a lot of what's in here is not healthy. Okay, you need to be aware of that. 
you also need to be aware of the fact that sometimes because of external pressures or internal doubts, right, we struggle to embrace this message. And so, yes, some people will try to deceive us. Others may unintentionally be a a deceptive influence on us, or we might even unintentionally contribute to some of that deception. But either way, John says, be on guard. (laughs) Don't give up and don't give in. Be on guard with your your collection of and um, embracing of the truth. He says, you got to be on guard. You can't just, you know, kind of go on cruise control here because you're going to face it. Now, Again, I said there are a million ways you're going to face it. It's everywhere. But let me just highlight a few of them so that you can just be kind of aware, be on guard in your life. First of all, you're obviously going to face challenges to commitment to the truth in books that are published, right? So I say it often, we've got to say it again. Just because it's sold from a Christian book website does not mean it is right in every detail, okay? So you've got to be a discerning reader, okay? you just got to be careful there, all right? Um, you're going to read books. Some books are going to influence you away from God's word. Often we'll read blogs online. You know, blogs can be helpful. One of the hard things about blogs, though, is oftentimes we use them like for quick hot takes on a, on a topic that the thoughts haven't been edited and kind of thought through. It's just like somebody kind of popping off. And to that end, they can be, you know, sources of, of attacks on the truth. And so you just need to be careful, again, what you're reading. Sometimes people are just popping off, and that needs, you know, it needs to be filtered. It needs to be examined in light of the Word of God. Um, of course, if you see something on television, it's probably trustworthy, so we don't have to talk about that. Or the Internet. You realize that God's Word, this apostolic message of who Jesus is, right? You realize that that message is not designed to drive ad revenue or increase clicks. And so... When someone is putting a message out there on a medium and their goal is to make money off of it, right? Whether it's TV stations, you know, trying to get you to send in money or paying for ads or whether it's clicks on a website, you just got to know, wait a minute, hold on. There, there might be a reason to check this, right? To spot check it. So the internet, in many ways, it's a blessing. We have access to anything we want, anytime, but there is a lot of bad teaching out there. And so... Listen, people will try to deceive you. It's not just the internet. We have to be careful about Bible studies that are published that we might be involved in. Sometimes even songs. You know, just because a song is on a Christian station or by a purportedly Christian artist doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And so you have to be careful there sometimes. So sometimes, you know, we can sneak uh, deception in through what we sing. And I'm not saying it's always intentional, but sometimes it's just sloppy and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get the job done. Well, what hope do we have? Well, the hope that we have is to let this message remain in us. And guess what? This right here is a protection for us against distortions of the message. The Bible is this gift, not only that we can read the message, believe, and receive eternal life, but also it helps us evaluate what we hear and interact with. So I don't know what you're going to hear. I do know that the Bible will help you clarify what's true about it and what's not. I know that in the end of the day, if you have to choose between going with the latest celebrity YouTube preacher or what you read in the scripture, I think we should stick with the scripture, right? I mean, this is the opportunity we have to, to filter what we, what we hear. And here's the deal. That, that is not meant to be an individual project. That is meant to be done by the church together. So brothers and sisters, just hear me out. The church community is meant to be a protection against false teaching. 
That's why elders are required by the word of God, right? The qualification for elder is that they can teach the truth and refute false teaching. They have to be able to do that so that we as a church can together walk in the truth. And we can, we can in, in essence, put our arms together. And arm in arm, we can move forward in faithfulness to the gospel. Again, letting that word remain in us. In 1 Timothy 3, Paul describes the church as the pillar and foundation of the truth. Right? So there's protection in the community. That's why I get so concerned when people are like, oh yeah, I was watching this YouTube preacher, or I've been involved in this Bible study over here. And hey, maybe that's good stuff there. I don't know. But I do know this, that we have to process it together in the church community. I mean, that's what, that's what we're called to do because God's gifted the church as this kind of built-in protection against false teaching and deception, okay? So it's out there. It's going to come in a million different ways. We know it's out there, but know this, brothers and sisters, don't give up and don't give in. Stay on guard. Be on guard, right? Watch your commitment to the gospel. Grow in it. And listen, guess what? If you're concerned about something, just shoot, a, shoot us a note. I would love to help you process what you're hearing, what you're reading, what you're thinking about. Let's walk through it together. And, you know, we, we do that together. We work on it together as a, as, a, as, a, as a family, basically. And so I would invite you to do that. So it would make my day if you shoot me that email and, and say, hey, Pastor Ryan, we read this, we saw this. What do you think about that? And then we can talk about it. Now, should we keep, I mean, is it worth it? Should we keep at it? Well, watch verse 27. As John really gets to the, this is really the focus of the paragraph here. As for you... In contrast to these other folks who have abandoned the truth or those that are doing the false teaching, he says, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. Now, just pause right there for a second. He's teaching them in the letter. What? what? (laughs) You don't need anyone to teach you except me. What, What is he saying? He's saying this. As for you, brother or sister in Christ, you have this anointing. He referenced it in verse 20 last week. This anointing from the Holy One, from the Holy Spirit. We have this this gifting where we are set apart for God's purposes. We belong to Him. We have that anointing by the Spirit. And guess what? It remains in us. Let the message remain in you. If the message remains in you, you remain in the Father and in the Son. And guess what? The Spirit's anointing, it remains in you. It is keeping you. It is protecting you. And that anointing, right? In that anointing, we don't need anyone to teach you something new. That's what he's saying. He's not saying we don't need instruction. All over the Bible, we need instruction. That's, the, you know, half the point. But what he's saying here is you don't need a different teaching. You don't need an adjustment to the message. We have what we need As the Spirit has anointed us and set us apart for God, we have what we need in Christ. We have what we need in this message. So you don't need new teaching, as he goes on to teach, right? We don't need different teaching. We have this truth that Jesus has passed to us through the apostles. Instead, in verse 27, his anointing, the Spirit's anointing, teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, Just as it has taught you, remain in him. Well, what's he talking about here? Again, he's saying the Spirit's anointing, right? This this delivery of the truth and the gift to understand it and believe it by the Spirit that equips us to deal with all things. So you don't need these Gnostic teachers to come and give you secret knowledge that only they have that will then equip you to get to level 2.0. He's like, that's not how it works. In the Spirit, you have the teaching that you need to discern and to walk through all these different situations as we face headwinds. 
And that teaching, it's not like it's sketchy or, oh man, maybe it'll work out or whatever. He says, it's true and it is not a lie. They will try to deceive you, often intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But what the Spirit has given you, you can bank on forever. This is the real deal, he says. The Spirit's teaching, this, this anointing right, that we have in the Spirit, that we're set apart for this gospel. It's like, that's the real deal. And what has it taught you, by the way? Remain in him. It's taught you to continue, to persist, to abide in him. That you'll be tempted to go any other way. But he says, you remain in Christ. That's the fundamental message here. You know, as we think about it in verse 27, there are four reasons John gives us to remain in Christ. The first is that we don't need something new. Okay, we don't need something new. Uh, this is hard because human nature, like, we, we lean towards newer trends, right? We lean towards the new things. So you just got to know in your heart that there, there might be a temptation to try to get to an upgrade of the gospel. There is no upgrade, okay? There's only downgrades. So you just got to recognize if they're tweaking it and if, the, if this teaching is adjusting the gospel, then I don't want that because I don't want to downgrade from eternal life. I don't want to downgrade from this message that is the truth of God, right, that he's given for us. So we don't need something new. That's the first reason to remain in him. The second reason is the Spirit provides us with this discernment so we have what we need. Again, instead, his anointing, right, it it teaches you about all things. The Apostle Paul said it differently in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, the natural man, the the non-believer, cannot understand or embrace the truth. The, the truth about, about Jesus, about who he is and what he's done for us and, and why it matters. He says the natural man can't do that. The spirit of God, the spiritual man can do that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has awakened us to that truth. And so there's this recognition here where John says, hey, brother or sister, guess what? You have, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have that spirit at work in you right now. And the spirit equips us to navigate the drama at work. I don't know what it is, but every workplace has drama. So whatever yours has, the Spirit can help you navigate that. The, the challenges at school, the difficulties in your family that you're facing, right? The health challenge that's coming, the financial challenge that, that is already here, what, the political drama in our country, whatever it is, you can navigate that in dependence on the Spirit. Why? Because He has taught us all things, meaning He has equipped us to walk by faith through any circumstance. So that's the second reason that we should remain in Christ, because the Spirit has given us this discernment. What a gift that we have. You don't have to wonder. Third reason to remain in Christ from verse 27. The Spirit's teaching is always true. It's always true. We all have that friend who's always telling us all these things that they've read on the internet or, or their theories about whatever. And, you know, you always take everything they say with a grain of salt. Are you with me? I mean, you don't have to acknowledge if they're next to you. Just, you know, just subtly, like, wink at me or something. But yeah, we all have that friend where it's like, you know, they, they say stuff. You're like, eh, okay, maybe, you know, whatever, right? Like, it's subject to further approval, right? Subject to verification, right? We'll see. Uh, that's not this. What the Spirit gives us is true. And so, and he says, it's true and it is not a lie. So there's this trustworthiness, right? Where we're saying, 
we're, have to, we're going to have to say no to false teaching. We're going to have to risk our lives in some circumstances, not always, but sometimes to, to believe this truth. We're going to have to make radical changes in how we live because of this truth. Is it dependable? Is it trustworthy? And John says, brother or sister, I know it's hard, but don't give up and don't give in. It's true. This word is true. The Spirit's anointing, right? he set us apart for this, and that is true. And the rest of it, anything that tries to edit this message and tries to push you in another direction, that is a lie. Fourth reason to remain in Christ. Okay, we don't need something new. The Spirit gives discernment. The Spirit's teaching is always true. And fourthly, the Spirit's teaching is directly from Jesus so he says, instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is, and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you. Now, here's the thing. CSB says, just as it has taught you, it could also be just as he has taught you. And I lean towards the he here, because I think what John is saying is, you're getting this straight from the source. Jesus commissioned the apostles to deliver the truth. So John's saying, like Paul does in Galatians, Paul, big, Paul's big thing in the beginning of Galatians is, I didn't make this up. It's from God. And this is what John's saying here. We're not making this up. It's not John's seven tips to a healthier life. He's saying this is what Jesus taught us. And so that's why it's so important. That's why it is trustworthy. That's why it is the means of eternal life. That's why it's true and not a lie. So just as he taught us, and then what did he teach us? And here John quotes from John 15 with full awareness, right, of, of the fact that we need this truth. He says, what did Jesus teach us? Remain in him. Other translations, abide. Abide in him. Jesus calls us in John 15 to abide in him, to persist in our relationship with him, to persevere in the faith. Why? Because we'll be tempted to give up or to give in. There'll be attacks. Maybe full frontal, like, you know, attacks, the Bible isn't true. Or maybe subtle, like, eh, we just need to tweak it here or there a little bit. But John says, listen, you have what you need. This blessing from the Holy Spirit, this anointing, you're set apart, right, for God's purposes. His teaching is true, it is adequate, it is sufficient, so let's go. Let's persevere in faith. Don't give up and don't give in. How do we do that? Cling to his word. Support one another in our endeavors to do that to, to the extent that we struggle. Right? Believe what we read. Work to understand what we read. Help each other. And in all of this, we're saying, okay, Lord, you've gifted us with this truth. Help us to read it, to understand it, to believe it, and now help us to live it. And in all of that, we can be confident because we've been gifted the Spirit of God to help us in it. We're not alone. Maybe as you go to read the scripture, you might pray and just ask for God's help. I have an old prayer here. I can just throw your way as a, maybe a, a, a commendation, right? A recommendation to you. But this is, um, this is found in the Valley of Vision, which is a book by Arthur Bennett that I, I commend to you, Puritan Prayers, right? This person prays this about the word of God. He says, bless to my soul, all grains of truth garnered from thy word. May they take deep root, be refreshed by heavenly dew, be ripened by heavenly rays, be harvested to my joy and thy praise. 
Help me to gain profit by what I read. As treasure beyond all treasure, a fountain which can replenish my dry heart, its waters flowing through me as a perennial river, undrawn by thy Holy Spirit. Now listen, maybe you're not a poet, but the, the point is there. God, help me, help me believe what I'm reading. Help me to grow spiritually because of it and work in me by your Holy Spirit as I read your word. Listen, don't give up and don't give in. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for um, just these few verses here in 1 John 2. We recognize the threat is a little different today um, for those who would seek to deceive and to steer us away from your word. But in, in other senses, Lord, it's the same threat. The threat that something's better, that your word is is. Lord, it's not right. It needs editing. It needs improvement. And so, Lord, we just pray that we would be convinced that the Bible is true. That we would, Lord, that we would let it remain in us. Lord, help us to prioritize reading and growing in our knowledge of the Bible. Not not as an academic discipline, but, Lord, as a means of spiritual growth. Lord, we pray that you would help us... uh, heed this calling to persevere, to remain in you in spite of the challenges that we face. And Lord, we can't always predict the different challenges that we'll face, but the calling remains to remain in you. Lord, help us not to give up. And Lord, help us not to give in. We thank you for the gift of your spirit who has anointed us, who has set us apart for your glory, who has gifted us with the ability to understand and believe this gospel message. And Lord, we pray for those who haven't believed yet, We pray that they would believe by your grace that they would start this journey even today. Lord, we ask that you would help us be convicted by all these reasons why we should remain in you. And Lord, for whatever we're facing at this moment in our lives, we ask that you would help us to grow as your spirit works in our hearts through your word. We thank you for the treasure and gift that the Bible is. Lord, help us to believe it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.